to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Second Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are going to pick it up here today. Um, I'm going to start in verse 17 for context, but we're going to be focused on verse 20 through chapter 6, verse 2. I show three up there, but uh, only two. Uh, verse 2. So we are going to pick it up in verse 17 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Paul writing to the Corinthian church, he says, Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all these things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, And he has committed to us this word of reconciliation. Therefore, this is our passage, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we in turn might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, he, he, he gives a, a quote of Isaiah uh, chapter 49. He says, in an acceptable time, I have heard you, God speaking. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. Paul goes on, he says, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Let's pray. Father, we have before us a passage that really it doesn't need much exposition here because it is pretty plain what you're writing, what you're speaking to the Corinthian church as well as to us, Calvary Chapel here, May 21st of 2017. It's the most important message that man can ever hear and act upon. There will be those who act upon it in such a way that brings them salvation. And there will be others who hear this word and they act upon it and reject it. God, I pray that anyone within earshot of this message, whether it be here in this room, whether it be via recording, online, whatever, we pray that no one falls into that second category of rejecting the most important decision that anybody in this world who has ever lived upon the face of this earth would ever have to make. 
And so, Lord, I pray that you grant within me the grace, your words, your love, your compassion. May your words come from this pulpit today to speak to thirsty hearts and thirsty minds. May we receive your word today. Myself included, Lord, I pray that you speak through me. Get me out of the way. Take from me any additional uh, things that I've planned to put in this message that, that are not of you. Or maybe that which comes to my mind where my flesh would love to just say at that time. May my whole being reflect, Lord, your spirit, your heart, your passion for every single one of these people in this room and in this hearing. And so, Lord, do your work as only you can. Touch our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so Paul... As we talked about last week, and we were looking at, you know, there's five times uh, in the uh, uh, in these verses that we just read from verses 17 all the way through 21 of the the chapter five, we see that there are uh, five times that we have the word reconciling. Five times, 14 verses, verses 18 through 21. Anytime you see a word repeated five times in three sentences, the author is, of those three sentences, if you will, or is trying to convey something, and that is what? To be reconciled. To get reconciled. The word reconciled is katalasso. There's two different words in here. Katalasso, it means literally to change. Um, it, the, the idea behind this word reconcile that you could look it up in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in verse 11 it talks about listen uh, if uh, in a marital relationship if a wife decides to leave her husbands for reasons other than his unfaithfulness the Bible talks about here she should remain unmarried but in the case uh, in case that there is a necessary change in him, uh, she should then be reconciled to him. The, the change here is in the one at fault. Just as man is at fault in the case of this God-man relationship. So the idea is, is that there's a change here. If there's a change in the man that has caused the separation... And she decides to get back together with this husband. The reason she's gotten back together with this husband is because there's been a change in him. He's, he's repented. He's confessed, if you will. He's acknowledged his faults. He's reconciled to his wife. He desires to be reconciled to his wife. However, reconciliation cannot happen unless she receives his... his uh, his trespass and, and is his confession. 
if she recognizes, if he recognizes and she recognizes, hey, you're sorry for this. You understand your fault in this. You have repented. I accept. I, I release you. You're forgiven. I'm coming home. You see, that's the reconciliation. She is, is forgiving him for the fault that he has. Well, we are like that man in that relationship. That's what the, the word reconciliation is talking about here. We have this, this fault with God. We have a problem with God. We've talked about it many times. Anytime you come to church, we should talk about it. And it's the, the, the fault of sin. It's a sin disease that we have. We have a problem with God because we're sick with sin. And it has to be dealt with. And if it's dealt with, and we come to the Lord, we recognize our fault, we come to the Lord and say, my sin is ever before me, Lord. My sin is right in front of my eyes. I know my sin. You know my sin even better than I do. You know every one of my sins. I have forgotten more than I'll ever commit. I've forgotten so many. And yet you know them all. And yet you... You're willing to take me back? You're willing to take me in? You're willing to receive me? You're willing to to forgive me? Lord, I acknowledge my sin. I am at fault. I recognize what is separating me from you. It's my sin. And and so God, I, I come before you. I confess my sin. Even that sin that I don't even know that I've committed. Even the sins that I've committed that I didn't even know I was committing. When, when I, I didn't know that I was doing wrong, but it was wrong. You ever do those? We all do. It's called a trespass. Sin is just missing the mark, you know? I mean, you're, you've, you're trespass, or I'm sorry, a sin is missing the mark. A trespass is, hey man, I'm willfully going at it. I'm willfully doing something wrong. Sin is, hey man, I'm shooting for the mark. I'm shooting for perfection, but I miss the mark. That's what sin literally means. Missing the mark. And, and so, even the sins that I've committed that I didn't even know that I was committing. I won't turn that way again. Um, Lord, I confess those things before you. I'm at fault. And, and the Lord will be reconciled to us. The Lord will be reconciled to us. The other word right there that we see is reconciliation. Verse 19, verse 18 and 19. All things are, verse 18, now things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. We've recognized our fault. He's reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. That, that word there literally means to exchange, a restoration a change or a reconciliation from a state of enmity between you know persons to one of friendship between God and man it is the result of the redemption the divine act of salvation the ceasing of God's wrath upon you and upon me that is due us but is not imputed to us but is imputed to the Lord Jesus Christ He took your sin upon himself so that we would not have to bear our own sins before a holy God. It's awesome. It's awesome. And and so, who is this offered to? It's offered to anyone, right? Anyone who would receive. 
anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord, for whosoever shall believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm not interested in getting into an argument over whether or not it's God that chooses man or man chooses God. Both are taught in Scripture. There is a specific, distinct command to lost humanity to cry out for forgiveness to a holy God. You have to do it. You have to call out to the Lord. He's not going to twist your arm to make you do it. He's not going to force you to say the words to accept Him. But on that same note, we know that the Bible says that before the foundations of the world, I chose you. And and, and so here's the thing. Did God choose me or do I choose Him? Both. Well, then then what responsibility do I have? You have all the responsibility in the world. You have got to choose the Lord. Well, then that makes of no effect if it says that God is the one who empowers a man to actually choose him. It's actually God doing it. Yes, God is doing it 100%. Well, then man isn't doing it. No, man is doing it 100% also. You've got to make the decision. And, and there's an argument that's been going on for centuries. Calvinism, Calvinism and Arminianism. Jacobus Arminius. Man's responsibility. Calvin. John Calvin. It's God's sovereignty. God is the one who chooses. And so you got people on both aisles, people on, on both, in both camps, and they argue. It's kind of what Kevin was just saying. They focus on arguing over points. I've got a lot of those friends on Facebook, and that's all they argue about. I mean, they've argued since Bible college. And I get on Facebook, and they're still arguing. And I'm going, when will you get over it? When will you stop? And just start doing what God's called you to do. Quit trying to argue people to become your view. Just do what the Word of God says. Stop it. You're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. I mean, these guys have been trained. These guys have been educated. These guys have sat down and have, have sat under some of the greatest teaching out there in the world. And here they are arguing and bickering over, was it God's responsibility or man's responsibility? Stop it. Just, just I don't see any of the disciples or the apostles going, I'm hung up. I'm not spreading the gospel until I get this one under wraps. Because that's exactly what these guys have been doing for some 25 years. Arguing over who's right and who's wrong. Just do, just do what God's called you to do. Go into all the world and preach the good news. Oh, but I don't want to do that because I, I don't know if God's chosen them. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to give some false sense of hope to somebody that's not supposed to be saved because God didn't choose them. If I go and tell them about Jesus and, and they get... And they think they get saved, but it's, they're not really saved because God didn't really actually choose them. Do you see where this is going? Just stop it. It's stupid. It's a stupid argument. And I don't think I'm supposed to say stupid because God doesn't like the word stupid. Except, I think, for maybe this time. I think that he's so fed up with people arguing over the, the little minute things. 
Just do what the Word of God says. All of these guys claim to be saved. I used to love to, to get in the middle of some of these guys that would argue these points at Bible college. They'd get in their own little packs. They're like little pack rats, you know, and they'd go over and they'd get in a corner and they'd all talk about, who? we're so intellectual. We've got this. You know, we, we understand. God's chosen us. And uh, there's others that God hasn't chosen. He's sending other people to hell. Don't know which one it is, but you know. And he basically, they're, they're talking about who's going to hell and who's going to heaven. And they're going to heaven. It's always never in those groups that anybody ever say, well, I, I'm actually not the one that's chosen. I'm going to go to hell. No, all of them always were advocating, I'm going to heaven because God chose me. And I always used to love to kind of get in the middle and go, maybe you're living a lie. Maybe you're not saved after all. Maybe God didn't choose you. What are you doing? Why are you, why are you, why are you propagating something that is useless for you because you're going to probably go to hell because you're not even saved. Oh, but I'm saved. How do you know? What, do you got a burning in your bosom? <laughs> Mormons have that. They got a burning in their body. How do you know that you're saved? Well, I've done that. Well, okay. So anybody who does that, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Stop arguing. Stop arguing. Quit arguing over who's going to go to heaven and who's not. I have to believe that that just breaks God's heart when he sees the kids that could be so useful for him sitting there being ineffective because they're beating people down for giving evangelistic messages some of these guys I just crack up on you should never have an evangelistic crusade what oh Greg Laurie's a heretic telling people to come forward at a message and accept Christ how many of those people are actually going to go to hell in that false sense of security he's putting I'm going are you kidding me I pity you before God that you're sitting there spewing this stuff you know and and here's the thing stop doing just what is a great commission it's to go into all the world and tell them that God chose them or maybe God didn't choose them no that's not what God said that's not what Jesus said Jesus said go into all the world and preach the good news who does that mean? Who is, who, who is he saying to go to? To the world. Go. Which takes us to our point. We are... Now then, it says in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. You hear that? We are ambassadors of God as if God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Do you see any kind of passion in Paul's message here? We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you to be reconciled to God. On Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Is there a passion there? Is there a passion Paul says, you're an, I'm an ambassador. We are ambassadors of Christ. And so the question must be crossing among your brain right now, hopefully. Am I an ambassador of Christ? 
You have to ask that question. Are you an ambassador of Christ? Everyone who calls himself a Christian should be an ambassador for Christ. Now, the point is that you're an ambassador. We're all ambassadors. Do you know that you're an ambassador for something or someone? How many of you are more comfortable carrying this in your hand than carrying this in your hand? I'm holding up an iPad in my right hand and a Bible in my left hand. Oh, don't be stepping on the Apple products, Pastor Don. You're messing on some pretty, pretty holy ground there. Messing around with some things that you should not have messed around with. I don't like this. This isn't a feel-good message. It's not. not going to be. Here's the thing. You're an ambassador. Are you an ambassador for Apple products? I'm not saying that having an Apple product is a bad thing. I don't mean to be hammered down on Apple products because I'm sitting here with two of them here on the pulpit. Oh, Pastor Don, you got two Apple products up there, but only one Bible. I got a bunch of Bibles in this iPad. <laughs> Here's the thing. You're an ambassador for someone. You're an ambassador for maybe the tennis shoes you're wearing. Maybe the clothes that you're wearing. You're an ambassador for someone. I'm an ambassador for goodwill. And Pillsbury Doughboy. No, I'm just joking. But we are all ambassadors for someone. And so you have to ask yourself the question, what are you an ambassador for? What are you known for? Who is it that you're known for? What is it that you're known for? What are you an ambassador of? I'm an ambassador of fill in the blank. I'm an ambassador of a TV show because that's all I talk about. I can't wait to get to school or I can't wait to get to work to talk about this TV program. No fair punching your husband. Because he could punch you back. You know, he, he could touch you back and go, hey, hey, hey. He just hasn't gotten to where you are. You know? Here's the thing. We're all ambassador for somebody. And it's hard. I mean, hey, I'll tell you. I, I could be, I could be you know, guilty of talking about football. <laughs> what are we an ambassador for? What's the most important thing in life? Here, Kevin was talking. <clears throat> Here's a Kevin talking about... A, you know, here just a few minutes ago of putting a letter together and going and handing it out to the people in his neighborhood that was prompted by what? The death, the untimely death of a young girl who saw that there was no more hope in life and that in her 15 years of living upon the face of this earth, there was nothing more that this earth could offer. There's nothing more that people could offer. There's nothing more that God could offer. There is no way out and there was no more hope that I would take my life. And, and it prompted Kevin to write a letter to hand out to all of his neighbors in his neighborhood to say, hey, if you ever get to a desperate point, I want you to know I'm a pastor and I'm here. And I, I want, I, you need anything, come. That, that's, that's, that's a neat thing. That's an honorable thing. 
But do you see what it took to, to get to that point? When, when life is brought before us in such a graphic way, in a cruel way, I, I mean, do you see the loss of a, of a young girl like that? And you go, surely, surely there was a way out. Surely, somebody could have said something. Surely, somebody could have reached out. Surely. And, and it, all of a sudden, all of the other things in life pretty much pale in comparison to that of the most important thing, and that's life. I don't know, and I don't know that Kevin knows if this little girl was saved or not. Know this. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord and you die your decision is made one of the hardest funerals I ever did was it was my first funeral that I ever did that wasn't a family member when I was over in Fort Lauderdale I didn't even know who she was but the the sanctuary was filled with people the only reason why we were called is because one of the daughters of the deceased matriarch of the family she uh, by the open casket and by the attendance of the people there and by the testimonies that were given of, of the people who got up and gave testimony of this woman's life I, you can say one thing they were they were ridden hard and put away wet as my mom and dad used to say they lived hard lives. They lived what many would say, hey, this is a party life. Did they have any regard of the Lord? I didn't hear any regard for the Lord in the midst of that. I just heard some pretty hardcore things that Matriarch did that were, in the world, very funny. But man, that's what she was known by. And as they kind of wound down their testimonies of this woman's life, I started crying. And I couldn't stop crying. And the only reason why we were, we were there is because her daughter had gone to our church over at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, had gone to our church a few times. And she was really the only one that was as close to the church as anybody. But she didn't have any relationships with anybody there at the church. She'd only gone a few times. And so she called and said, hey, my mom passed away and we need a pastor. And so they said, Don, here you go. Don't know anything about this woman, but here, uh, go and minister and love them. And so I did. But I wept. I wept. Because I saw that this woman who, by all intents and purposes, by what I hear out there, and I don't know, only the Lord knows whether or not she was in heaven or whether she was in hell. I don't know. But what what testimony that was given of her life, the chances are, are, are much better that she wasn't with the Lord. Now, I don't know that, and I definitely wouldn't say that. But a lot of the people out there, and again, you can't totally judge by what you see, but the place was standing room only. Many of the people that were there 
you just go, I don't know that they have strong walks with the Lord if they have one at all. And, and I, I cried. I started crying because I'm going, these people are broken because she's dead. If they saw it beyond just the fleshly realm, the worldly realm, ah, somebody we love is gone. She's passed on. She's dead. She's, she's gone. We're never going to see her again. Our hearts are broken. If that was not difficult enough, to look at it through the spiritual eyes was even more difficult. Because you're sitting here going, Satan may have claimed this one, and he's in the process of claiming many more. And I, I, began, to, I began to, almost as if you could put on some spiritual 3D glasses, 4D, 5D glasses, whatever, you know, and begin to see the spiritual realm and look at that and go, this isn't just loss of life. This is loss of eternal life. And you're all running down the same road as she is. And you will be here one day. And, and I, I spoke on, on kind of with that heart behind it, just going, you know what? My job is not here to speak to this beloved matriarch of you all. This woman who was you know, very highly regarded from most of you in this room. My job is not to speak to her. My job is to speak for her. This is her last opportunity to speak to you. This is the last time that you're all going to get together based on her in this capacity. And my job is to tell you what it is that she'd want you to hear right now. And that is this. Life is not just about the here and the now. Life is about the hereafter. Life is far more important than just what we see today and the pleasures that we seek today. Life is, is far greater to be considering in heaven. And this whole idea of God and heaven and hell, they're all real. And they're all true. And if she were standing here right now, she would be no nonsense, with no nonsense here. She'd be saying, what I have seen, you have got to understand that God loves you. And that God has a plan. God, God sent His Son to die for you on a cross. I had an opportunity to share with Him the gospel without getting my head knocked off. But, but here's the thing. These guys, what's the most important thing in life, gang? Man, I'm telling you. It's, it's like you and I, we are living in the land of the Wizard of, All, you know, Wizard of Oz pansies or whatever those little daisies. What are they? The little flowers? Poppies. 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 Yeah, it's Poppies. The poppies that make you, oh, they smell so great. They look so beautiful. They're so wonderful. I think I'm just going to lay down and just rest in these poppies. And you remember Dorothy? She laid down and she went to sleep. And she was going to die there. That was the Wicked Witch's whole intent and purpose, is to kill Dorothy in the land of poppies, in the field of poppies. It was to destroy the girl. 
It was beautiful. It looked beautiful. It smelt beautiful. It was beautiful. But beyond the, the smell and beyond the visual, it was intended to destroy. And it's, it, there was a great picture there in the Wizard of Oz for you and I. This world can look very beautiful. It can smell very pretty. It can fascinate us. But this world, if you are not careful, if we are not careful, it can cause us to fall asleep spiritually and take our life. And it's exactly what the enemy wants. It's exactly what the enemy wants. Gang, you are an ambassador of Christ. I am an ambassador of Christ. We are ambassadors. And you have got to determine what kind of an ambassador you are. Who are you repping? Who are are you representing? Who is it that you are an ambassador for? my, My job is as Paul's was, and the disciples that were hanging with Paul, he said, we are ambassadors of Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. It's the kind of a message that Paul would be giving you today from the same pulpit. I'm pleading with you and I'm imploring you on on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Because you are, I am, we are ambassadors. And when we learn that we're ambassadors of Christ, when we begin to live that, therein lies the opportunity for you and I to live a full life, complete, in contentment with the Lord, because we're truly representing Him. Now, does it mean that all of us have got to write a little letter and go around to the neighborhood? Maybe God's not calling you to do that. But you know what? Maybe one person is sitting in that neighborhood of Kevin's neighbors. Maybe they're shut in and they're sitting there wondering, nobody cares about me. I I don't even know what I exist for anymore. I need something. I need somebody to acknowledge that I even exist. You ever felt that way? Nobody even acknowledges that I exist. Maybe you haven't, but maybe you know people who, somebody who has. But maybe that letter, as it goes around, it will touch that one person just enough to recognize that, you know what? God heard your cry in the midst of this time and he put it upon Kevin and Christine's heart to go and, and, and share this. Share a little letter around there to say, hey, do not allow, allow hope to become so distant that, begin to think, that you begin to think that there's no more hope at all. There is hope. Nobody cares. No, somebody does care. It would devastate me if I knew that my sphere of influence in this neighborhood, my friendship in this neighborhood, went for naught because I did not open up and talk. We, we had neighbors that came over to our house the other day. <clears throat> and 
they're two doors down from us. We've talked. We've never gotten close. And they came over and even as, as Kevin was saying that, it kind of hit me again. God kind of reminded me of it. Her name's Cheryl. Her husband's name's Sean. Cheryl came over and she's walking through our house. She just sold her house. We're, she's walking through our house. She's talking about the difference between our houses and everything. And we sat there and talked for probably 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. And she says, we're moving. And you guys are moving. Why is it that it took us so long to actually open up and talk to each other the way we are right now? I mean, how, how come we're so guarded in a neighborhood when in all actuality, right now, I feel so at home with you guys. I feel so at home. And man, that just slapped me in the face. I just go, in, my goodness, my own neighbor, two doors down from me. I've been nice, been very cordial, not talked to them. I have talked to them when they've gone outside, but never really gotten very close to them at all. And, and that convicted me when she says, you guys are just normal people. <laughs> what did you think we were? You know, come on. <laughs> I would have loved to have gotten to know you guys a whole lot better. Because I think we'd all get along really, really, really well. And you know what we would have? She's very engaging, very fun to talk to. Yeah, she kind of got that Boston accent, you know. But, but here's the thing. What am I ambassador for? You work all the time. It's one of my neighbors. Would you stop working? Nathan and I were working one night, you know, getting the house ready. And we were out in the garage cleaning up because we had like an open house the next day. My next door neighbor, my next door neighbor, Elliot, came over and he's going, it's like about one o'clock in the morning. He comes over and he says, stop, go to bed. I go, Elliot, how you doing, man? He goes, quit working. Every time I see you, you're just working. You're just working. Go. Go to bed. Go to bed. I go, Elliot, what's the matter? Are we keeping you up? He goes, no, I can't hear you. It's just every time, I know that you're here and it's bothering me. <laughs> what are you talking about? And, and he's, you know, obviously tongue-in-cheek and everything. I get along real well with him. Some of you guys met him, he and his wife and kids, over at the house at Easter, you know. But, you know, he's like, go to bed. You're making me feel guilty for sleeping and you're here working. And, and it, here's the thing. We've witnessed to them quite a few times. So that's a, a cool thing. But here's the thing, guys. What are you an ambassador of? Are you waiting for a time? Is, is, there, is there, you're kind of on a, on a train. You're, you're, you're going to different stations in life. And, and you think that once you hit this certain station, then you're going to be this Christian that you desire to be. But you haven't gotten to that station yet. I'm going to be more vocal at that station. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm going to be a little bit more bold about my walk with the Lord at that station. And from that station on, my life is going to be different. But right now, I'm not at that station yet. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to invite someone maybe to go to church or I'm going to invite someone to lunch and talk to them about the Lord. Maybe at work, I'm going to maybe, maybe not talk about maybe the football game 
every single time I get together with my co-workers and maybe I can talk about something other than that. Maybe I can share with them the Lord a little bit too. I want to be, but, but that's not at this station. That's, that might be a little bit closer than, than that far station, but it's at that station that I'll get to. And, and I'm afraid that a lot of us feel that it's going to be at that place, that place, when I get to that point. You know, I, I thought back when I was in high school, and I'm sorry that I'm having to talk about this here, but back when I was in high school, I was drinking a lot and I was doing a lot of drugs. And yet I was going to church. Yeah. Here's the thing. I always thought, I'm just going to get through this phase of life. I'm going to be walking with the Lord one day down the road. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to live for the Lord. I remember, and maybe some of you can identify with this, but I remember when I'd be sick because of all of the things that I had partaken of, and I'd sit there, or, or if I was in trouble, because I've stumbled over a phone cord, you know, when I came home at night at like 2 o'clock in the morning and mom's still up. And trip over the phone cord. If I would have just gotten past the phone cord and gotten to bed, I would have been free and clear. But I tripped over the phone cord and got busted. And they found out that I had been drinking only is what they knew. I remember just being in trouble, thinking, you know what, this is a phase that I'm going through. One day, I'm, and I had friends that were walking with the Lord strong, and I thought, one day, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a lot like them. Because you know what, I walk around with a guilty conscience all the time. I walk around with conviction in my heart all the time. Because I know what I'm doing is not right. But one day I'm not going to be like that. That station is down the road. One day that's going to happen. But you know what? I never got to that station. I said that it was going to happen, but that station didn't come until I was 28 years old. Hey, the Lord will let you have the opportunity to, to try to hit that station on your own. You're not going to hit it. The Lord gave me a little icing incident in an airplane to speed the process up a little bit. The station came a lot sooner or it came, came quick because the Lord was like I've had enough you can't keep going down this road you're playing games you're an ambassador of everything else and everyone else or every other subject matter other than me you're an ambassador for everything but me and yet you think that if you die you're going to heaven Lord one day I'm going to be like them One day I'm going to be like that If you are that person where you keep putting off And putting off and you have a station down the road That when you get there that's what you're going to be I actually longed for that While I was still partying hard I was thinking one day I'm going to wake up and I'm not going to have guilt in my heart Because I'm going to be walking with the Lord Down there But right now I've got too many friends Got too much peer pressure got too much, And whatever it was that kept me in this life stage That I was in I always had a dream that I was going to be out of it. I don't know if that identifies with any of you, but here's the thing. I never got there until the Lord forced me to get there. And I'm like, I don't want that to happen. And it's only by God's mercy that he kept me alive 
to bring me to this place where I'm walking with him. Now, I don't always walk perfectly with him, but I am not anything like I used to be. I, I, I don't drink anymore. I don't do drugs anymore. I don't do any of those things anymore. God healed me of that stuff. I don't need that stuff anymore. And so in that sense, I wake up with a pure heart going, ah, it's good that I'm not waking up with a hangover. I'm an ambassador. You're an ambassador. We're ambassadors of something. I want my life to be an ambassador of the Lord. Because ultimately, when it all comes down to the very basic essence of life, the only thing that really matters is whether or not you're an ambassador of Christ or not. That's kind of what Paul's trying to drive home to everybody. I'm pleading with you as from God. Even on Christ's behalf, I'm imploring you. Be reconciled to God. And be an ambassador of Christ with us. And he says, this is how he finishes off. He says, he says uh, for, we, for, for God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, which is a phenomenal verse, that God took your sin upon his son's shoulders to pay for something that you and I couldn't pay for. And he took, he took the righteousness and the, 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 holy, or the righteousness of, of, of Christ that was upon his shoulders and placed them upon us. And, and we are now the benefactors of standing before God and as God looks at us, He looks at us through Christ. And we are righteous because God took the righteousness that was upon His Son and placed them upon us. And He took our sin and grossness that was on us and took them off of us and placed them on Christ. And so, as Jesus hung on the cross, He bore your junk. And as you and I walk out here today as Christians, we bear His righteousness. Not our, not our old junk. It's at the cross. We have the righteousness of Christ on us. Even when we blow it, God looks upon us as being righteous and holy in His eyes because He's looking at us through Christ. For God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. We then, as workers together, Paul says, with Him, with Jesus Christ, we also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. When you consider the grace of God and the offer that's to you and I, don't look at that as a vain thing. That's not just a common thing. That is the most glorious message in this world. That you can have salvation, that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. That you would be right with God. It's the most awesome message in this world. And yet we don't treat it as the most awesome message in this world. We treat it as, eh, I'll get around to it at that station. We'll get around to it somewhere down the road. Well, it might be too late. It might be too late when you choose to get around to it, when I choose to get around to it, when we choose to get around to it. Paul's, Paul's pleading with us. He's saying, get off the fence, man. Be a part of, of what we're doing. We're ambassadors of Christ. We're pleading. Together with Him, we plead you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For God says, In an acceptable time I've heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. 
And so Paul, I don't think that he says, so behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. No, I think Paul's going, behold, now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It's like, come on, do we understand? Do we get it? Do we understand? Gang, we are an ambassador. When you walk out of this place today, you're an ambassador of Christ. Or you're an ambassador of somebody. I pray that it's of Christ. I pray that if you are seriously looking at yourself, and you've seriously taken this message into consideration, you'll ask yourself, who am I, who am I repping? Who, who is it that I am an ambassador of? Are you an ambassador of your work? Are you an ambassador of, you know, a vehicle or of a, a, you know, a band, football team, basketball team, school, work, whatever, a relationship? What are you an ambassador of? Not to say any of those things are bad. But where does God fit into that? Where, Where is being an ambassador of Christ fit in to your life? If it's at that station down the road, you're looking in the wrong direction. That station needs to be, you need to arrive at that station. And hopefully today, this has been a challenge to you to get to that station and be the ambassador that God's called you and I to be. Because what can God do through us? He did it through 13 guys. We got more people in this room. What can we do? They were accused of turning the world upside down. What can we do? Let's turn the world upside down, gang. Amen? Father, thank you so much for today. And as ambassadors of you, Lord, I pray that we leave this place knowing that every time we open our mouth, every time we purchase something, every time we speak, every time we look upon something and someone sees us looking upon something, anytime we go to an establishment or go to a place... Anytime our our feet goes somewhere or our our thumb pushes on something or our fingers type something, we are representing someone. I pray, God, that we're representing you. I pray that this message really caused us to understand that being an ambassador does not end at the end of the day. An ambassador of the United States that goes to Russia, when he gets to Russia, he doesn't stop being an ambassador to Russia when he goes to sleep. When he goes behind the door of his, of his, of his hotel that he's stay, staying in there, or of his house, or the embassy that he's in, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't stop being the ambassador at nighttime. For goodness sakes, he doesn't stop being an ambassador even when he leaves Russia, when he comes home. He continues to be an ambassador. And if that being an ambassador for a nation is like that, how much more an ambassador of Christ? May we, Lord, never take off the uniform of being an ambassador for you. Every decision we make, every place we go, everything that we behold in our mind and our heart, Lord, may we first run it through the filter of whether it makes me more of an ambassador for you or whether it doesn't. It detracts or keeps me away. I know we didn't get to the Isaiah 1 passage, Lord, but there you cry out and plead with mankind. You say, come, come, let us reason together. Though your sins are as crimson, yet they shall be as white as snow. 
You plead with mankind, even in the Old Testament as you do today. You plead with man to get right with you. You plead with man to, to be on your path. And it's not the things that you do. Because there in Isaiah 1, you were saying, I don't care about your sacrifices anymore. I don't care about your new moons and your Sabbaths. I don't care about all the different things that you're doing that you think that the law tells you you have to do. You're doing them because it says that you're supposed to do them in the law, but your heart is not with me. You're doing them out of obligation and not out of devotion. And then you build to that crescendo where you cry out to the children of Israel and you say, I don't want you to do those things anymore. They're, they're an abomination to me. Even though you're, you're supposed to do them in the law, your heart's not doing it for the right reason and so it's an abomination to me. And then the culmination, you say, come. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, yet they shall be white as snow. Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and even forever. Lord, it's not because we come to church are we holy. It's not because we sing songs that we're holy. It's not because we tell people that we're Christians that we're holy. It's because we're holy. Because you died on a cross for us. And we've acknowledged that. And we wake up every morning. We go to sleep every, every night. Recognizing that we are an ambassador for you. God, make us ambassadors for you. Worthy and pleasing in your eyes. I pray, God, that this is challenged, not just one, but every single person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941 926 3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.